Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. Located in Norfolk, Virginia, the MacArthur Memorial is a museum and research center dedicated to the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur. The memorial is also dedicated to preserving and presenting the story of the millions of men and women who served with General MacArthur. Each month, the staff of the memorial will use this podcast to explore topics relating to General MacArthur and his times. By mid-October 1944, two and a half years after he had been forced to flee the Philippines, General Douglas MacArthur was inching closer to keeping his promise to return. As he prepared for a triumphant return, he began working on a speech that would be broadcast to the Filipino people, announcing the start of the island's liberation from the Japanese. Initially, the plan had been to have American President Franklin Roosevelt make the announcement, but Roosevelt's poor health combined with his wartime responsibilities and his re-election campaign led him to pass this responsibility to General MacArthur. It was a responsibility that MacArthur was likely delighted to take on. As with any speech, however, the speech underwent numerous revisions. On October 19th, the eve of the Leyte landings, MacArthur engaged his staff in a discussion about the short speech that he intended to broadcast from the beachhead to the Filipino people. He passed around a draft he'd been working on and asked for suggestions. His personal physician, Colonel Roger Egeberg, pointed out a particular phrase that referenced the tinkle of laughter of little children returning to the Philippines. Egeberg told the general he just couldn't and shouldn't say that. A defensive MacArthur demanded to know why. Egeberg held his ground, informing the general simply, it stinks, it's a cliché. A moment or two passed, and then MacArthur crossed the line out. Next, some of his staff objected that there were too many references to Christianity in the speech, particularly a three-paragraph passage that they deemed somewhat excessive. On hearing this criticism, MacArthur began angrily pacing the floor. When he stopped, he stared the staff down and explained, Boys, I want you to know that when I mention the deity, I do so with the utmost reverence in my heart. After a moment, however, he acquiesced, agreeing to leave out the three paragraphs. He did not, however, remove all Christian references from the speech. Having lived in the Philippines for many years, he believed that such references would be understood and welcomed by his intended audience. Out of a population of approximately 18 million in 1944, 80% of Filipinos identified as Roman Catholics. To MacArthur, the Christian faith was something shared by both Americans and Filipinos, if in somewhat different devotional forms. Perhaps more importantly, though, he believed it was something the Japanese did not share with the Filipinos. The next day, October 20, 1944, U.S. warships opened fire on the beaches of Leyte as General MacArthur watched from the USS Nashville. It was A-Day, since the designation D-Day had already been used by Eisenhower during the landings at Normandy months earlier. MacArthur watched Higgins' boats and other crafts deposit American soldiers on red and white beaches near Tacloban and at violet and yellow beaches near Dulag. Four hours into the assault, MacArthur left the Nashville and began his own trip to Red Beach. 
As his barge approached the beach, MacArthur ordered the barge ramp lowered. Before anyone could test the depth of the water, he strode forward, entering knee-deep water. Forty splashing steps later, he reached the beach. Photographers captured this event, but it wasn't until that evening when MacArthur saw a developed print of the landing that he realized the dramatic propaganda value of such an image. To further capitalize on this image, the next day he would make a point to land at White Beach and once again wade ashore in front of delighted cameramen. This second landing has been the source of many of the stories that his landing was rehearsed and that he only landed at safe beaches that had already been secured. On October 20th, however, as he first waded ashore at Red Beach, a number of Japanese snipers were active. They were tied high up in trees or hidden in foxholes that dotted the landscape. Ignoring the snipers and the crackling gunfire, MacArthur walked the beach. He inspected damaged landing craft, checked the insignia patches of dead Japanese soldiers, and watched as the American and Philippine flags were raised on two coconut trees that had survived the naval barrage. The American soldiers who witnessed him walking the beach were shocked. One soldier, catching a glimpse of the general, exclaimed to his fellow GIs, Hey, there's General MacArthur. Not bothering to look, one of his fellow GIs responded, Oh yeah, and I suppose he's got Eleanor Roosevelt with him. This reaction was fairly typical. Few American soldiers could believe that the general was actually on the beach, and nervous junior officers tried to warn him away by explaining that the Japanese remained active in the tree lines just off the beach. After the war, the Japanese general Tomoyuki Yamashita, the man who was supposed to be responsible for repelling MacArthur's invasion in 1944, could barely believe MacArthur had actually landed at Leyte so soon after the invasion had begun. He indicated that had he been aware of this action, he would have sent a suicide mission to eliminate MacArthur. Fortunately for MacArthur, the Japanese didn't know or believe he was actually walking the beach that day. After his walkabout, MacArthur scribbled a quick note from the beach to President Roosevelt, describing the success of the operation and advising Roosevelt to make Philippine independence a priority. He then prepared to broadcast his I Have Returned speech. It was a moment he had dreamed of, but like his landing, it was probably not exactly the way he had imagined it. The communications truck that had been transported to the beachhead had broken down and was worse for wear after the landing. No one was quite sure it would actually be able to broadcast MacArthur's speech. Nevertheless, ignoring the occasional staccato bursts of gunfire around him, MacArthur grabbed the microphone. Prior to the landings, it was clear that this radio broadcast from the beach would only penetrate so far, and so the general had recorded the speech so that it could also be broadcast to a wider region from one of the destroyers off Leyte. This recording was to be broadcast simultaneously with the live version of the speech. As MacArthur spoke the first lines, a heavy rain began. The following is a recording of MacArthur's I Have Returned speech. This is the voice of freedom, General MacArthur speaking. People of the Philippines, I have returned. By the grace of Almighty God, our forces stand again on Philippine soil, soil consecrated in the blood of our two people. We have come 
dedicated and committed to the task of destroying every vestige of enemy control over your daily lives and of restoring upon a foundation of indestructible strength the liberties of your people. At my side is your president, Sergio Osmeña, worthy successor of that great patriot, Manuel Quezon, with members of his cabinet. The seat of your government is now, therefore, firmly re-established on Philippine soil. The hour of your redemption is here. Your patriots have demonstrated an unswerving and resolute devotion to the principles of freedom that challenges the best that is written on the pages of human history. I now call upon your supreme effort that the enemy may know from the temper of an aroused and outraged people within that he has a force there to contend with no less violent than is the force committed from without. Rally to me. Let the indomitable spirit of Bataan and Corregidor lead on. As the lines of battle roll forward to bring you within the zone of operations, rise and strike. Strike at every favorable opportunity. For your homes and horrors, strike. For future generations of your sons and daughters, strike. In the name of your sacred dead, strike. Let no heart be faint. Let every arm be steeled. The guidance of divine God points the way. Follow in his name to the holy grail of righteous victory. After MacArthur finished, Philippine President Sergio Osmeña and Carlos Romulo, who had also accompanied MacArthur during the landing, spoke briefly to the people of the Philippines via the radio. As soon as they were finished, MacArthur returned to the Nashville to continue coordinating the landings on other beaches. The speech would be ridiculed by many Americans as overdramatic, ridiculous, and narcissistic. To many scholars today, it seems not very American in style, as well as somewhat self-aggrandizing. Most cannot get past the emotional tone of the speech. The tone of the speech clearly reflected General MacArthur's own emotional response to his return to the Philippines. He was a man who had achieved numerous great successes and honors in his career, but he had pursued the liberation of the Philippines with an enormous, frantic energy ever since he had made the promise to return. His return was personal. MacArthur's air chief, George Kenney, later defended the speech, arguing, It was not meant for the people back home. It was meant for the Filipino people, and they really liked it. It was an emotional appeal to an emotional people. Regardless of the arguments about the tone of the speech, the speech had an electric effect on the Philippines. For two and a half years, MacArthur had promised that he would return, and now he had. His appeal, couched in such a sacred way, quickly produced dividends. Soon his forces and intelligence networks began receiving pledges of support and requests for instructions from Filipinos across the islands, anxious to expel the Japanese and rally to the cause of liberation. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact Amanda Williams at amanda.williams at norfolk.gov. Oh.